welcome aboard the battleship pretension i am tyler smith i'm david Bax. And thank you for listening david okay you didn't even let me get my entire name out i feel like you're i'm you're excited rushing me. i yeah. guess okay we're what are we 537 episodes in are we really something like that wow um you know my name by now is what I'm saying. You don't <laughs> yeah, need yeah. me to say my entire, <laughs> my full name, David, David Michael Bax. you just Bax. changed your name at David some point? David Michael Gregory Bax, as far as the Pope is concerned. Mm. Um, that's my confirmation name, Gregory. Gregory. Uh, yeah. Gregory? Can I say Gregory? Um, yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, uh, anyway, I was going to tell a story that is not in- interesting uh, for my family. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll tell it real quick. Okay. So... <laughs> When it came to picking our uh, confirmation names, so mm-hmm. we were public school kids. We went to PSR. We didn't go to – we didn't have our, our Catholic teachings in our regular school. We weren't at the Catholic school, so one night a week we went to PSR. I don't know what it stands for, but it was just like church school mm-hmm. you went to one night a week. Got it. And that was where you got prepared for your confirmation. You picked your confirmation name. I picked Gregory. My younger brother um, got accused of – being disruptive in the class because he raised his hand because you're not supposed to name yourself after a saint, right? Oh, okay. And uh, he raised his hand and asked if there was a Saint Elmer. And um, when it came to like parent teacher conferences, the parent was like, "Kevin's disruptive in class. He's uh, he asked if there was a Saint Elmer." And my dad was like, "Well, yeah, that's my dad's name. That's probably why he was asking." Um. <laughs> really, shut that fucking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that 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 uh, uh, anyway, uh, cardinal. Uh, no, I, they, they they weren't they weren't clergy. The, oh, okay. the people who taught the, uh, the 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 classes, but clergy were always they were always coming in and out, just hovering hovering above everything, right? Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I have a weird confirmation name. Not to introduce. Okay. Not to, not well, to, I, that's not. Let's not say what your real name is at all. I <laughs> yeah. just want your confirmation name yeah. right now. Well, I was a horrible seventh grader who was like really rebellious in Catholic school. Um, well, I didn't go to Catholic school, but during CCD and I told my seventh grade teacher that I wanted to explore worshiping Satan just because <laughs> I want, I just wanted to be a brat and like say yeah. horrible things. Yeah. Anyway, I picked the saint's name Perpetua uh-huh. oh. um, because I just thought it was like a cool, weird name. And she like, all she did was like get murdered. <laughs> so it's not like she's like the saint did. of like you know you know animals or right. whatever she's just like yeah she just said she loved jesus and they murdered her it's kind of ironic yeah. that her name is perpetua because the I one know. thing she didn't do was perpetuate herself yep yep uh, but a lot of the, a lot of the saints to me are defined by how they were murdered yeah like yeah. it's like, like oh that there's one like got multiple tortured. saint catherine's it's like wait is that the saint catherine who was broken on the wheel or the <laughs> yeah, oh <God>. yeah <laughs> yeah uh, Man, <laughs> yeah, grown up Protestant. Uh, I, I I missed out on all of this, all the gruesomeness. Yeah, uh, I would have loved it as a kid. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to miss out on what's that sponsorship dollars. <laughs> well, <laughs> thought you were going to be a bit more savvy than that. Nope. but that's fine. Uh, okay, so well, don't worry, David. Here they come. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a handpicked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently available on Mubi is the final film in their Lav Diaz uh, retrospective. It is called From, uh, From What Is Before, which is, okay, so this fascinates me and terrifies me in, in a number of ways, and you'll see why. So it takes place in a remote barrio... Uh, In the Philippines, whales are heard in the forest, cows are hacked to death, 
houses are burned, and that's just the beginning of this epic five-and-a-half-hour film that attempts to capture the traumatic time of dictator uh, Ferdinand Marcos. Uh, yeah, that's what this dude does. Uh, yeah. Love. He made um, uh, what's it? Uh, Norte, The End of History is what it's called, which is a little over four hours long. I think I'm about two hours and 20 minutes in. <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> I will. You'll get there. I, I've, it's been a while. I set it aside a while ago, but I will finish it. His movies are more life goals for the viewers. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it's it sounds uh, fascinating. And if I had the time, I might actually watch it. But, uh, but I don't have the time. But you, the listener, you do. Otherwise, you would not be listening to us. Uh, and so there is a special offer for you, the listener of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash battleship to redeem now. And I would like to tell you guys about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, And they're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But uh, because you're cool, because you know us, because we approve of you, um, uh, you're you're a friend of ours. Sure. uh, you can use the offer code pretension at checkout and you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay. Now, when well, you said friend of ours... That was a Donnie Brasco reference. Donnie Brasco, just yes. making sure. Okay, because friend of mine means our audience is getting killed, right? No, it's obviously it's been a while since... Uh, friend of ours is like, you can trust this person. So, friend of mine okay. means I'm a made guy, you're not, but I'm vouching for you. Okay. Friend of ours means you're made. Okay, got so it. So, they're got both it. good things. They're both friend good of things. ours is just better okay. than friend of mine. Sure. You can't mess with a made guy. But that's why, you know, that's why Lefty goes off to get killed at the end, because yeah. he vouched for Donnie. He's called yeah. him a friend of mine. Um, I've I'd, seen that movie maybe eight too many times, uh, but I've always loved that movie. It's a great movie. Um, well, I can't wait to find out what our guest thinks of Donnie Brasco. That's the reason we got her here. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and I, uh, as I usually do, I forgot to ask her how she'd like to be introduced. So from the L.A. Times? Yeah, I read for the L.A. Times and the Tribune News Service. Katie Walsh. Yes, that's me. Thank you for being here. Katie Perpetua Walsh. Nice. <laughs> Can I ask what your like given middle name is? is yeah, is it's that a- um, Tavis Ann. <laughs> Kathleen Tavis Ann Walsh Perpetua. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's, I wasn't Four expecting names, Five that. names. Five names. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I feel like you're like a character on Preacher. Uh, um, <laughs> God, I'm so much less exciting than that. <laughs> uh, so, okay, what do we know about you so far? L.A. Times, Tribune, mm-hmm. Catholic school, or not not Catholic school. You called it CCD. I called it PSR. But yeah. you're a public school kid, apparently. Private school. Okay, but not Catholic not school. Not Catholic school, yeah. Um, uh, so, same question I ask all our guests. First time, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Um, I am from St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. 
I'm a native Virgin Islander because I was born there. Uh, how long did you live there? Uh, until I was 18. Okay. And then I so, lived there again when I was in my 20s and I was like doing my quarter life crisis and like left New York and was like, I'm going to live on an island on a farm. And so I did that for two and a half years. Um, wow. Now, see, I'm <laughs> glad I asked. I have so many questions. Yeah. Um, I've been to St. John and oh, St. Cool. Thomas and St. Martin. Yeah. But I've never been to, but is there like rivalries? Like Yes. We just like really don't like St. Tomians. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a little, I mean, it's, you know, it's all love, but it's, there's the little rivalry. But St. Croix is much more like chill, bohemian residential than St. Thomas, which is like just all resorts and tourist type type right. of activities. Um, so, and it's a little bit farther away, so it's harder to get to, like you can easily get to St. John and St. Mm-hmm. Thomas. So it's like you have to take a little plane ride or like a 90 minute ferry ride. So it's a little bit more isolated from like the BVIs and, and St. Thomas and St. John, but it's a cool place. You guys should go visit it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we were just talking about, um, Island life with, uh, Jackie Cation. Was that, oh, was that just last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Uh, I'm convinced that if I, that I, that I couldn't live on an Island for a long period of time because, uh, my, uh, my wife who lived for a brief time in Hawaii cause mm-hmm. her sister did, um, told me about the concept of like Island fever. And yeah. I think I would absolutely get that. I think I would go crazy. Yeah. I mean, you definitely do get that and you can't like drive away. It's like right. being in a small town that you like can't drive away from. So like the Schumann show. Yeah. So you definitely do get a point where you're like, Oh my God, I need to get out of here. And, and you know, and it's just a small town life. You know, things seem bigger and like a bigger deal than they actually are. But it's it's a lovely community. Sure. Um, and it's great. But I had to leave like when I was living there and um, like a few years ago, I was just like, I can't drink on the beach every single weekend. Like uh-huh. I get tired of that. It's actually like I'm sick of that now, which is like surprising. People are like, oh, my God, why do you leave? And I'm like, it gets boring. Yeah. Like I can't like as much as I love like drinking a beer in the ocean. Once a year is fine for me for that. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had a we had another guest who uh, relocated to the what like Key Largo or to the Keys. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who uh, oh, Neil yeah, McLaughlin yeah. who directed a movie called uh, I Was a Teenage Wear Skunk, which is a very funny movie. I saw that movie. Uh, I reviewed it for the LA Times. Oh, you're the one who reviewed it. Yeah, I read the <laughs> review. Um, yeah, I liked. I liked, it. It. I liked it. it. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Uh, but he also did, yeah he 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 moved to Key Largo. Let's say. Uh, to become a musician and did that for a few years and then essentially had the same reaction you did. I can't, I can't do it. It's small. Like, it's small. Yeah. Um, um, let me ask you something. Have you, have you ever lived, uh, so you lived in New York, did you say? Mm-hmm. And now you live here and you lived, have you ever lived like in the Midwest? No. All right. Here's something that I've never mentioned on the show before, oh. but I grew up oh. in California and there was a time when I moved to Denver uh, and I was like 11 or, or 12. And I wasn't much of an ocean person. I didn't like the beach. Look at me. Yeah. Um, and so like, <laughs> but nonetheless feeling land, I felt like landlocked mm-hmm. and I felt like, I guess the opposite of Island fever. I felt oddly claustrophobic. You're like too much land around me. It was that <laughs> I felt like, well, if there's not an ocean around me, like how do I, and I don't know how that sentence was supposed to end, Yeah. but, uh, but it was a very odd experience. And so I was going to ask like, you know, so you've always been near an ocean. Yeah. I mean, I went to college in Connecticut, so I mean, that's close enough yeah. to the ocean. Um, yeah. It's like, I don't go to the beach that much either. Like I'm an East side LA person. Like I don't ever go to the beach, but I like knowing that it's there, that I, yeah. that I need it if it's possible, you know, that it's like a half an hour, hour drive away. Um, but yeah, I've only like visited the Midwest for short periods of time. 
Yeah, it's it was a it's a very odd thing because again, I didn't know if like I'd get a speedboat and go into international waters if like the shit ever went down or something. I don't know what <laughs> I was expecting uh, as this twelve year old kid in Denver, yeah. but it really like and it only happened once. But uh, and then I thought like, well, why am I? So upset. Yeah. You got to give the mindset very... like uh, Fred Willard in Waiting for Guffman. He says, so now we're bi-coastal if you consider the Mississippi River a coast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yes. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, which I did grow up, uh, you know, uh, 10 minutes from the Mississippi River in St. Louis, Missouri is where mm-hmm. I'm from. Listeners know that. I'm catching you up. Okay, now yeah, you're yeah, up yeah. to speed with the 10-year-long listeners. Okay. I'm from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's pretty much the only <laughs> thing you really need to know about, David. It's the thing I probably talk about the most. <laughs> that is true. That uh, and hockey. I got a lot of St. Louis pride. Hockey is wrapped up in that. Got a lot of St. Louis blues pride. Anyway. I did not know they had a hockey team. <laughs> but I don't know anything about hockey. Um but I have been to Missouri. I went earlier this year for True False to oh, Columbia. In Columbia. Yeah. I've never been to True False. It's um, rad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Columbia is very cool too. That's what I hear. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to Columbia when I was a kid for like high school, like debate type mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, but I've never gone. It's like the Austin or Madison or whatever of yeah. Missouri, right? It's like the cool yeah, yeah, college like the town college town and the guys who run True False also have this like really cool little indie cinema that they run there called the Ragtag Cinema, and they do really cool programming. And I just like little small town, college town stuff like that. It's yeah. really fun, and the festival is awesome. It's That's like very cool, community oriented festival. Um, and it's interesting because it's like it's these really avant garde documentaries, and then it's like everybody from the town of Columbia like goes every year so you're like watching some crazy documentary with like these like white-haired grannies next uh-huh. to you and you're just like what do they think of this <laughs> <laughs> but they're all like diehards and yeah, so it's, i don't know i think that's that's pretty rad very cool yeah um okay so how'd you get into movies it's like in general yeah like in my life <laughs> yeah oh i, I guess i want to know uh i want to know what the the what the cinema scene was like uh in st croix it wasn't great um <laughs> i i don't know i think I feel like there's so many people who I know who are like in this business, like are like, or in this industry that they're like from a small town or like a small place and like movies where you're like lifeline to another world or something. Mm -hmm. I just like, can't remember a time when I wasn't that, when I wasn't into movies for some reason in high school, I just like decided it was my thing. And I don't, I can't even really like pinpoint like that, like the movie. Like I think it was like clueless or like Austin Powers. I was like heavy into Austin Powers and like, Freshman year of high school. Um, the and then, first one holds up. I will. I will go to. The I haven't ba- I revisited it. I have not revisited. Well, here's it. the thing. The thing that, I, that all the stuff that everyone remembers of the first one, mm-hmm. which is the stuff they emphasize in the second and third, yeah, yeah. is the most broad, right? Dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. All the like super specific, like UK sixty spy movie stuff yeah. is very funny, right? And I think it doesn't get enough credit. All right, uh, I need to rewatch that. that. But yeah, I stand I by it. I, I like did some video production course at UCLA in high school and um, yeah, just when I was applying to college, I was like, I'm going to study film and that's going to be my thing. And so I went to Wesleyan and like did the film studies program there and that turned me, that like was my cinephile sort of mm-hmm. uh, education. I mean, I remember, you know, I was really trying to hone it in high school and like renting stuff from Blockbuster. Like I rented a lection from Blockbuster and I, remember I was like watching it with my family. And then, you know, the, he says the line about her pussy getting really wet. Uh-huh. And my mom was like, well, this is going off. And like, <laughs> just like crisply like snapped it off. And I was like, Oh, I thought this was like a high school movie. Like, yeah. um, oh. so, you know, this like trying to do, I mean, 
just trying to do the movie cinephile thing when you're in high school in an island and all you have is blockbuster. But also like when I was in high school before we could drive, we would just get dropped off at the movie theater. And that was like the social scene. So my friends and I were obsessed with like Scream. I know what you did last summer. And we just like go millions of times back and back to stuff like that. And um, we would like yell at the screen and just act crazy because that's more acceptable there than it Um, is here. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> uh, a couple things. One, this is just, I normally hate this, like, want to feel old type of stuff, but it occurred to me recently that more time has passed since Scream came out than had passed between Halloween and Scream. Is that um, true? Yeah, because it's been 21 years since Scream came out. Oh. Halloween was only 18 years old, I think, when Scream came, Scream came out. Oh. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah, that was just curious. But um, Speaking of watching uncomfortable stuff with your parents, my parents were very strict mm-hmm. uh, with me uh, with, with with certain movies, but they decided that I was mature enough when I was 15. They decided I was allowed to watch R-rated movies. And mm-hmm. so to me, that was just like a switch just got flipped and I can watch this now. And so I brought home and watched with my dad the People vs. Larry Flint. <laughs> um, and that was, I think, like, more, maybe more uncomfortable for him <laughs> than for me. Uh, but um, OK. Yeah. All right. So we're all caught up. Mm-hmm. Yep. We all know each other. We're all best friends. Yay. Um, uh, I'm kind of cooling on you a little bit, to be honest, David. <laughs> I don't. I don't. After 530 you. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me tell you real quick what's on the podcast. Or what's on the podcast? We're we're on the podcast. What's on the website this week? Uh, Sarah is still working her way, as she will be all year, all 2017, through our listener-voted top 100 movies of all time uh, uh, list. She's almost to the halfway point. She looked at uh, number 54, Nashville, um, is one of the ones she looked at this week. Uh, Jim over at the I Do Movies Badly podcast is working his way through a month of Jim Jarmusch. Um, uh, Jim Jarmusch. Um, and uh, uh, he, he, he talked about Patterson uh, West at Musical no- Notation, looked at the soundtrack from uh, 1986's Manhunter, which mm-hmm. is a great movie and a great soundtrack, if you ask me. Uh, let's see. Tyler, you reviewed 47 Meters Down. I sure did. Uh, the Sequel Cast podcast is working their way through the Hellraiser franchise. They're at number four, Bloodline from 1996, directed by Kevin Yeager. Um, I only know this because I'm the editor of the website. I have not seen the movie. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Alex at his Criterion Prediction column uh, wrote about uh, the movie Velvet Goldmine, which is a mm-hmm. fantastic movie. And you've got um, uh, I finally posted my home video review of Shot Factory's Black Christmas uh, Blu-ray, um, which is a movie that I, uh, if you remember from our movie journal episode when I talked about it, I was surprised that I loved uh, and is uh yeah, definitely worth a watch. And I reviewed um, the new movie out this weekend, Maudie, um, mm-hmm. starring uh, uh, Ethan Hawke and Sally Hawkins. Hawk and Hawkins yeah. <laughs> on screen together at last. Um, uh, doesn't seem to be getting rave reviews. I liked it. I don't know. Yeah. Did you see Maudie? I haven't seen Maudie, but I wish I had seen it this week. Um, it's also playing uh, tonight. I guess we're missing it right now at the L.A. Film Fest. Uh, oh, it is. And so that's something to look forward to over the next week on the website. Um, and probably by the time you're hearing this, there will already be some, but I'll be, I'll be at LA Film Fest for the next week. So uh, I'll be posting all sorts of reviews. That's what's going on on the website this week. There's also our commentaries are available. You can buy our premium content. Uh, it's a way to support the show and get a bunch of stuff, a bunch of content. We're not just asking you to give us money. Right. Um, you get... Often nine hours of content for ten bucks, which is uh, not bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, with all sorts of our, our friends coming through and talking movies uh, with us, and then uh, yeah, we're on Instagram, all that, all that stuff. Okay, 
Let's Oof. get into it, shall we? Indeed. I need to take a drink of water before okay. I introduce this. Do you have anything you want to say while I take, take a drink of water? VidAngel is back. Okay, I didn't mean start us on a new topic. Sorry. We'll talk about VidAngel All right. some other time. Katie, are you aware of VidAngel? No, I don't know what that is. All right. Well, you're both drinking water now, so I guess I'll just talk for a while. Just a, a quick, a quick <laughs> overview of what VidAngel is. So it was, uh, it was. They've changed the nature of the service. It was uh, a way to rent movies digitally, and then you could apply filters to them uh, yourself based on content that you found uncomfortable. Is a oh. thing that I've. Uh, it's very popular in the Christian community. I've been. It is apparently the only fight I'm totally comfortable getting in on Facebook because I am very much against VidAngel. Uh, but then the uh, the courts ruled against them several months ago, and I thought they were done. Wait, come- what, what's the le- legal argument? That essentially uh, you were you would quote unquote buy the movie from VidAngel digitally, uh, and then you would. Uh, uh, make these changes and, and apply these filters and then you would sell it back to them. And that way it's like a rental. Oh, well, you can't actually sell back digital content. Uh, oh, okay. so that's one of a few things. And then people were saying it was a possible trademark law or something like that. So, and that VidAngel might not have had the, uh, uh, legal rights to sell these movies or rent them or whatever they like want through to say. distribution. Right. Good agreements. Yeah. So they went away for a while, and now just the other day they announced that they are back. And instead, here's what they've done. They've worked out specific agreements with Netflix, HBO, Hulu, and now VidAngel is a streaming service that you can attach to your other streaming services. And so you've already paid for everything. You're not, they're not selling you anything. They're not renting you anything. It is just this additional app essentially that you filter Netflix and Hulu and HBO through, and then you can apply the filters that you want. So, so VidAngel (laughs) is back, which means I can start having these arguments all over again, which is very exciting for me, but also uh, exhausting. I'm just imagining, like, you, did you ever see Showgirls on TV? And I they have not. the, like, floating bikinis. <laughs> have you ever seen? I, like, I've seen it on VH1, and they, like, have these little, like, fake bathing suits that, like, yeah. float on top of the boobs that are, like, wow. moving around. That's what. I, that's just what I'm imagining that Angel is. Just oh, floating bikini tops. <laughs> oh, no, they just... I, because I did an episode about it on my other podcast, I, uh, I was like, well, I'm, I should use it once. So I rented Deadpool. Uh, this, oh, wow. this, was, this was under the other, uh, under their previous format. So I rented Deadpool and I thought like, okay, I, I will take out harsh language, extreme violence and any kind of sexuality. And despite what VidAngel says, it is not, uh, it is not as seamless as one would think to just cut that stuff out. Cause they don't like, you know, in the case of nudity, they don't put, you know, black bars or a fake bikini over it. Uh, they just cut that out. Yeah. And because it's not a person cutting it out, like. Sure. It's just like mo- a moving. Uh, there's no flow, really. How yeah. long was it? Yeah. Was it like 10 minutes? Uh, I could only watch it that way for about 20 minutes before I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> so I took wow. all the filters off. I'm like, I get it. I took all the filters off and just watched the rest of the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so good news. VidAngel is back, which means l- listeners of, bo- of both More Than One Lesson and Battleship Pretension get to hear me 
get angry and pull my hair out. But it gives well, me something to talk about at next year's International uh, Film International Christian Film Festival. Oh, right. I forgot to give Katie the warning that Tyler's a Christian. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> no, you I, already I, have heard that I said I wanted to worship Satan in yes, seventh grade. That's fine. <laughs> no, we, we Honestly, I didn't have really an interest in it. I just wanted yeah. to say something provocative. What's funny is that your, <laughs> your saint name is more, it feels like a good Satanist name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? What was it? Per- perpetua. Perpetua. I am perpetua. So metal. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like, perpetua. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but yeah, so if I, so if the, if the service continues and there are no lawsuits, which it sounds like there's not going to be because they have worked something out with these existing services, yeah. um, then that means that I might be able to do a whole lecture next year about the evils of VidAngel and get everybody against me that I've spent really. Right. Uh, Cause the VidAngel people go to this this festival, right? Or uh, weren't they, or was the, the pure flicks guy who was there? Pure, the pure flicks guy was okay, there, so I but, know all uh, about this stuff cause of him, but the, uh, um, but the viewers themselves are big fans of, uh, of huh. well, angel boo hiss. This is, see, this is a thing that I am technically opposed to, but it is not the hill I want to die on. Oh, I'll die on this. Hill. <laughs> no question. Everyone's got to have that hill. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm glad, uh, even though that was a, technically a departure, I'm glad you guys managed to bring up nudity because that ties into what we're going to talk about today. It's pretty hot, um, David. I, was, I, lo- I love nudity, especially attractive women. Um, <laughs> what, so, what are we talking about today? <laughs> uh, you know, and the listener knows because we talked, uh, we teased this, um, uh, not using that word, uh, knowingly at all. Uh, we teased this last week and we talked about, uh, reactions to certain reviews of, of, uh, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, um, was talking about the David Edelstein review in Vulture, which got a lot of attention. Um, and, uh, like I, like I said, I don't know, Tyler, did you have a chance to check out that review since I mentioned? Last I week? did not. You're great in papers all week. Yeah. I understand. Uh, I assume you read yeah. the review. Yeah, yeah. It's uncomfortable, uh, to say the least. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was fine to leave it at that. And I, but I started finding it to be a very interesting topic when certain people half not came to his defense, but halfway spoke up about this um, on, uh, on on film Twitter, if you will. Well, like um, women that and that's what got, because not just women, but Stephanie Zaharik, who has been one of my favorite working critics for like 15 years. She's pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a huge, huge fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was the first one that I saw uh, uh, bring up the idea that um, it's. You know, it's not a crime for a, uh, a person who's attracted to a certain person to write about that as right. the response to the movie. And so what I wanted to talk about on this episode was, well, when is that appropriate? When might it be even necessary to the movie? Um, and, and when is it just creepy like David Epstein was right. uh, when he said that uh, Israeli women are a breed unto themselves, <laughs> which is dehumanizing uh, it is the uh, it's almost the opposite of celebrating uh someone's also, physical like, form just has nothing to do with right. wonder woman yeah diana is not israeli <laughs> no yeah. yes um okay so uh I, I asked you know katie you said you'd read the review what were your responses to david edelstein's review first i guess i mean i I didn't really get into it on film Twitter because I felt like people were already making the points that I would have made. And I just sort of was like, I'm just going to like stay out of the fray on this one. But I, I read a lot of the responses and conversation that was going on. I mean, I thought his review was kind of just like silly and boneheaded. And then I thought, but I was more offended by his like fake stupid apology. Yes. Where he was like, 
well, I guess I didn't take this movie seriously enough. And then everybody got mad about it. And it's like, no, people said this is creepy. That's not, you didn't take this seriously enough. So I, I don't know. I sometimes don't want to say this is how you do criticism because I think sometimes that can be used against people who are maybe outsiders, like Mm -hmm. that argument of like, this is how I do criticism and that's how it needs to be done. But I was thinking a lot about, you know, his review and I, I just personally don't really ever write about uh, actors appearances because I don't see how it has to necessarily do with the story of the film. Like I want to write about the film and like if their appearance has anything to do with the story of the film, then yes, I will like make that argument. But I don't see how saying like, Oh, I'm attracted to this person has anything to do with like reviewing a movie. Yeah. Um, It's just his like weird personal quirks and tastes that are like coming in. It's like, I don't need to know that. That doesn't help me understand if I want to see wonder woman or not. uh, I I agree. Um, uh, My, I think my, you know, I'm uh, uh, sorry. I'm stumbling over my words here. Um, I think if it's about, how the camera regards if it's important if you think it's important to write about how the camera is regarding a person's body mm-hmm. um, yeah i think like, that's that's a valid yeah i don't know if you're watching twin peaks the new uh, i haven't twin heard peaks. of it yet okay so there's a new young female fbi agent in the fbi scenes and there's a part where gordon and uh, the late miguel ferrer are talking mm-hmm. and she's walking away from them. the camera turns and it doesn't just follow her it the camera dips down specifically to include her ass in the frame. Right, yeah. To me, that's worth talking about because yeah, that's a choice sure. that was made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if it, if then you're, if, if you follow that up by saying, I found that really hot, that's not, that's not useful to the reader necessarily, right? No, it's, I mean, you can say like the gaze, the camera's right. viciously looking at this, these women or regarding these women and like I just did a rewatch of triple X return of Xander cage. Cause it's amazing. Oh. And like my friend just kept saying, this movie is so horny. And like, it is so horny because it's just like camera, like bodies, like, like women's crotches and butts everywhere. And you're just like, yes, this movie is so horny, but it's like <laughs> funny. But I mean, I'm not, I will defend that movie, but, um, you know, you can say this is like the, the way that we are seeing these bodies or these faces or these people, but I don't need to know like how you personally feel about that, you know, the it, critic. It, yeah, I, that's that's generally how I feel. But then I think about what our um, uh, our, our friend uh, uh, a few weeks ago we had Chuck Wilson on, and he talked about that his. Uh, we didn't talk about this topic because this this hadn't come up yet uh, on film Twitter. I'm going to stop saying film Twitter at some <laughs> point. Um, but he talked about his you know his 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 goal when he writes a review is to make the person who reads it feel the way that they, that he felt when he watched the movie. And so if something is steamy or erotic and that's something the movie was setting out to do, Mm -hmm. is it okay to say I found this erotic? I mean, it seems, I mean, I think you can say something's like erotic or sensual without being like, yeah, I got really turned on too. Awesome. Like I, you can say, you can say those things. Like you have to say it from a sort of objective place, I think. So it's not, I mean, I, I, we haven't heard anything from Tyler yet, but it sounds like <laughs> what you're saying is that, and I, uh, I think this makes perfect sense is that it has more to do with the phrasing or the framing of the sentiment than it does with the sentiment itself. Yeah. I mean, I guess like my overall 
belief about this is, is like making movies is subjective. Watching movies is subjective. There's never going to be a purely objective, like this is good. This is bad type of review. I'm going to filter this movie through who I am, my gender, where I'm from, my race, my class. I'm going to filter that all through, you know, that the person that I am, am I hungry? Am I tired? (laughs) Like, do I just not like this person's face and, or do I really like this person's face? And, but then when I write it, I'm going to have to, because I think you have to like make the argument like, oh, this movie is sensual because blah, 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 right. but not this movie is sensual because I personally like Channing Tatum dancing or whatever. Like, I think you need to sort of like say this movie is sensual in the camera work or, um, you know, with all of the, you know, the way they frame the bodies or whatever. I I think you have to use like what's on the screen and not your personal opinion to make the argument to the reader. Okay, now Tyler has a reaction to that. Yeah, but I forgot what it was, <laughs> and it's killing me. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I don't. Dis- I don't disagree with any of this, but I was uh, feeling like playing uh, devil's advocate a little bit. Contrarian. Um, yeah, that's that's <laughs> me. Um, yeah, I think I think the idea of if it's if the film is attempting if it's Showgirls or, or something like Magic Mike, for example, um, that is meant to be. Central, and you are meant to just kind of leer at at these bodies. And I feel like if you were to simply say, you know, it is sensual, uh, it is, you know, even if you use the word sexy, which is a word I don't use really in any form, uh, <laughs> just because, like, even just now I said, I'm like, no, I don't like that at all. Uh, it's but, a weird word. I've spent so many years watching the Food Network getting grossed out when chefs <laughs> refer to food as sexy, that I feel like the word sexy has become poisoned You're like, in is it a salad? Are you talking about a salad? <laughs> or you just said, suddenly you actually do see like a very sensual film and someone says, that's really sexy. And you're like, no, it's not. I'll tell you what sexy is. It's a nice... Pork uh, belly. F- <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I do think that, uh, you know, uh, if you are going to be reporting on your response to a film and the film is trying to uh trying to for lack of a better term turn on the audience um then i think it probably i think it can be okay for you to say it had this effect on me and it's still and it and it winds up being an endorsement of what the film is trying to do not unlike if you say like i laughed really hard at this but again, you don't necessarily – I don't think you necessarily have to make it. And I'm somebody who, you know, anytime someone ta- – anytime there's an argument to be made about really anything in which someone's like, yeah, but I don't want to put it through my own personal filter, I feel like I don't get an opinion on that because I do a whole other podcast that's devoted exclusively to it. So I can't tell anybody else not to do it. But Right. I, I don't think that's any – I don't think any of us is are trying to say that there's – we're not telling, telling other people what not to do. Obviously, David Edelstein and those who uh, approach things like this the way he does, um, they're still allowed to write whatever they want. And well, they're allowed to. Yeah, sure. and we're all allowed to have these reactions. So <laughs> yeah, we're not yeah. trying yeah, to yeah, shut yeah. anybody up. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that um, – I do think that when it comes right down to it, I guess you're the surrogate for the audience. And so you're kind of this weird mix of objectivity – and yourself, because nobody can remove their own emotions and their own reactions. But then the question is, okay, well, I'm reacting to this 
And if it's if in the instance of David Edelstein, who, you know, has a very specific uh, reaction to Gal, is it Godot or Godot? I have no idea. I I think it's like Godot. Godot. She was on. I saw her appearance on Kimmel and she was saying it. So it's either Godot or Godot. I think that you say the T at the end. Okay, let's say Godot. Yeah. And I I wonder what is the uh, acronym for the Georgia Department of Transportation? Uh, because uh, there must be some uh, hilarious Twitter mix-ups. Oh, and <laughs> they're like, like, hey, we keep getting uh, emails from this David Edelstein guy <laughs> who thinks that I he guess our buses us. are super sexy. He wants to see us tied up. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like I guess you know we haven't gotten this this uh, much uh, this many compliments, but um, so. Uh, but yeah, so he has his own very specific reasons for responding to her. And so I feel like I feel like there is some there is like a way to meet in the middle um in which he can address well, I guess let's say a big part of Wonder Woman is just how how beautiful she is. And there are aspects to that of the, uh, in the film, but um but like addressing that using your own response as sort of an indicator and think like, okay, is this just me or do I think that other people are reacting this way as well? It requires, I guess, a certain degree of speculation on your part because it might just be you. Who's to say? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I, um, I initially thought we'd just use the Wonder Woman thing as a jumping off point. But we, we do keep coming back to it for, for good reason. Um, and I guess, uh, it, it, and I'm repeating things we've already already said, but um, there's nothing in uh, Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman that suggests that we're supposed to be thinking about S and M, right? Right. Yeah. And You're so, correct. Like it's weird for him to to read that. Like that. It doesn't. It seem. It's inappropriate, right? For him to. Well, I mean, I think. Or is that. Did he, if it made him think of S and M, well, so the creator. There's all this stuff about yeah, the yeah. creator yeah. who was like had a polyamorous sex cult, and like the Wonder Woman is like based off of like his third partner. I don't know. Yeah. I was doing some research. Her name was Olive something. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. And um, I think there's actually a movie coming out. There is. Um, yeah, about this. is distributing it. Uh, um, yeah. Like I saw a quick teaser, um, which was very smart of them to release it that weekend. But. Yeah. Um, so I think he was like being like, "There's not enough S and M in this. Like, why isn't there more slobbering? Why aren't there more bondage? You know, yeah. like that was what I got from his review. Like that he was disappointed that there wasn't, and that like, oh, Jenkins' okay. camera doesn't film her slobberingly. And like, I don't see, I don't know that he was necessarily saying, oh, it sucks that Jenkins' camera doesn't film her slobberingly, but um, I think he was saying like, just it was weird for him to like point it out." You know, oh, there's this history yeah. of Wonder Woman. Why isn't there more of this in this specific movie? Like, I don't know. I mean, you can you can totally bring things in that are not into the movie when you're writing a review and say and to to push against um, and making your argument. But why insert that? I don't know. I think a lot of what I have a problem with him and his review is this like weird insertions of things that have no 
like the Israeli women are a certain breed. It's like, who was even thinking about that? Right. Yeah. And then I don't know if you saw that people were uh, like linking to his like Harry Potter review because he said some stuff about Emma Watson. Did you see that? Yes. That, well, I keep using the word uncomfortable, but that was that superseded the which, previous uh, discomfort. Which Harry Potter? Like the uh, first one. Yeah. <laughs> and he said something like, you like know, something insanely alluring or something. Well, he like said that. like if you if you ever had crushes on bossy girls, like my heart skipped a beat when she said, "Be careful, Harry." And I'm like, I don't need to know about what kind of girls you had crushes on as an 11 year old boy. That does not tell me anything about Harry Potter or Emma Watson or any yeah. any anything that is useful to my understanding of whether or not I'm going to see this movie. I guess there is. A way to say this put me in mind of my own school experience when I was younger. I, There's a way to do that. I think I, yeah. I, I think there is, but I think saying my heart's gift to beat, like in the present, in yes. this year when I'm a grown man watching yeah. that, that's a, 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 that's a step away of it's just describing too much of your own physical reaction, I think. Oh, yeah, oh, and boy. he's not even talking about like appearance. He's not talking about Emma Watson's appearance. He's talking about her performance and her character, but... It it's just like I I don't need to know that that's something that you like filter through you when you're observing watching the film and then you like don't write it down. <laughs> so he he could have been one of those guys that when Emma Watson turned eighteen he said finally he's like countdown clock yeah exactly <laughs> oh, God. oh boy you know I don't think I I mean I, I I know I've read some of his stuff before but I don't think I was really that familiar with his uh, his stuff boy is he the same guy and no, I'm forgetting is he the same guy who uh, um, uh, broke the embargo on girls dragon tattoo. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I don't okay. recall. Because uh, I thought it was, like, good for him at the time because I didn't know about this other <laughs> history. I mean, but, I only, uh, like, read his stuff, like, sporadically. I'm not, like, a religious reader of his stuff. But, I mean, I'm familiar with him, and I have respect for him. I think he's a good writer. He's on NPR or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, when these people – I mean, I was only seeing this stuff because people were screenshotting it and putting it on Twitter and – it was like, oh yeah, that is a pattern of unnecessary asides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and uh, uh, I guess to go back to the the S and M thing. Okay, <laughs> um, please. It, the 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 my point of contention that I think that you you already made, uh, Katie, is that there there he's projecting that. It's not like he's saying this is something that's rooted in the character's history and this particular shot or this particular scene brought that back to the forefront. He's bringing something in that wasn't there at all, which is, is, is what you said. And I, um, I'm opposed to that in general. Um, I'm kind of a hardliner, uh, uh, fanatic on that. Whereas I, uh, think if a movie's based on a book, it's better to have not read the book uh, mm-hmm. before you review the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I know some people feel, a lot of people feel the exact opposite. Um, so uh, I guess that's trying to take us down a different path in this conversation. But I don't want to get too – I don't want to get off topic. About well, I mean the film should stand on its own no matter what it's based on. If you've read the book, if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's like a sequel, like a, the fifth sequel. Like I've only seen two Transformers movies, but I have to see the fifth one on Monday. And I'm like, do I have to watch the middle Transformers? Like yeah. will see, I not? And I, this is where I'm inconsistent. <laughs> I absolutely would 
watch them yeah. just because I'm a completist. I probably should, but yeah. I don't know if I can put myself through that this weekend. But I, I, I recently, over Labor Day weekend, I watched um, three, I watched Pirates of the Caribbean 2, 3, and no. 4 in time to watch 5. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, well, no, I, if you listen to our last episode, I, I'm a big fan of 2 and 3, it turns out. I think oh, Glover okay. stuff is solid. And very entertaining. That's yeah. not the that's not what we're talking about. I mean, I think about. it is good to have context. I don't think you need the context in of the background in the case of this Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, I think context within a series is perfectly acceptable. Right. Uh, but if it's if it's like anytime someone says, Well, you should have read the book and that would have explained it's like I that was a big thing for me with speaking of Harry Potter. Um, you know, one of the reasons that I really disliked the absolute last one is it felt very truncated to me and then uh, Jen my wife explained afterwards like oh well this is a reference to that that is a reference to that I was like oh okay well that certainly explains why people in the theater because I saw a midnight show uh, explains why they were so excited about it except that I didn't read the books. I only wanted to stay see the movies and just judge them based purely on that and based on that the last film I think didn't do the legwork that it needed to do Um, but what I will say is that I don't necessarily, this may sound strange, I don't, having not read the Edelstein review, um, I don't think I can fault him for bringing up the S&M stuff if that is in fact where the character actually started. Now, if he were to say, if he were to say, I was put in mind of this, uh, and it seems like that this could have you know, if it's one thing if he said like, "Oh, I could see how it could have played into this," but it's another thing to say like, "It was wrong for not." Right. I wish there had been more. That, that, right. That's. that's uh, I mean, I, I'd have to re reread it to like see how he phrased it exactly. But he, it, it's not like he said like, like laid out the thing where he was like, "This is the roots of blah blah right. blah." It was more like asides where he was like. You're like, wait, why is he talking about S&M? Like, it just was, like, randomly in the middle of a sentence, yeah. and you're just like, oh, wait, where is it? Like, you'd have to know all this stuff about the creator in order to know what he was kind of referring to. Do you think it was him trying to show how clever he was and how smart he was and how much he knew about the real Wonder Woman and not just this dumb movie? Uh, I think he did not like the movie. I think it okay. was, like, a mixed-ish negative review. And I think he was, like... Oh, it's a dumb superhero movie. And then he sort of, I mean, this happens to me too. Like you writing a ton of reviews, you just take a really like flippant tone with something that you feel like you can dismiss. And I think that's fine. I think you can do that. It's not, not allowed to do that with Wonder Woman. I mean, I think other people, obviously like women had a way different reaction to Wonder Woman. I mean, I was like crying in the theater and I don't think people really anticipated having that reaction, but there is something really powerful about a woman directing a superhero movie with a female superhero and seeing how powerful and strong and amazing. And it's not being good. Yeah. And it's good. (laughs) And the camera is not horny. You know, it's like, Oh my God, the camera is showing this woman, this gorgeous, beautiful woman as powerful and capable and strong and amazing. And like, there was something really powerful about that. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, Edelstein's not going to see the movie the way I'm seeing it. So, you know, I'm sure he wasn't crying in the theater. Like, <laughs> um, I was, but that's cause I'm a, you know, ally. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your tears. Um, Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I hope the yeah, listener understands. Uh, how, yeah. Anyway. Um, but I do like the, the, not to, uh, I guess we're just talking about the movie Wonder Woman right now, but, um, Patty Jenkins is not 
ignorant to Gal Gadot's or one woman's right. beauty. Like right. I, I like that we get we get the whole introduction of Diane uh, Diana from a young girl up until the moment that Steve Trevor arrives, and then we get to be sort of in a way reintroduced to her through his eyes on the beach when he's, she's framed as an absolute vision of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I, 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 I like that. That wasn't the part I cried at though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Did you cry at the death of Danny Houston? Is that what got you? Uh, spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> uh, everyone's seen it. No, uh, I did not cry oh, okay. at, at that part. Um, I, uh, I was like, Oh, David Thewlis gets to do, Special effects again. <laughs> it brought me back to, we keep going back to Harry Potter. Yeah, um, what an odd turn of events. Uh, all right. There were certain things I wanted to ask about. Um, uh, well, I want to get back to something you said uh, at the beginning, at the top of the conversation, Katie, about your own personal philosophy when writing a review. Do you have rules for yourself when it comes to this sort of thing? I mean, I don't, it's not that I have rules for myself, but I just try to keep in mind, like, what who's reading this and why are they reading it? And mm-hmm. my reviews go to, regional newspapers around the country. So people don't care about inside baseball, like Hollywoody type of stuff. And I started out writing for the playlist. And so our voice there was really snarky. We had a way longer word count, like run on sentences like crazy. And, um, you know, we could kind of talk about little like industry insider stuff. And like, I, I mean, it was literally like I could just do whatever I wanted. And when I started writing for newspapers, it was like they'd say, oh, this is too insidery. Like people don't care about this. Um, or I, I would see the stuff that they cut out and and the stuff that they said, oh, that was good. Or, or so I, you know, have shaped my voice to that. But I just try to think about like who's reading this and what do they need to know? They need to know is it worth seeing this movie? And, you know, I, but I also try to, one thing I, I mean, I, the way that I've been trained is to like in undergrad, it was like, how is the style serving the story? So everything has to be serving the story. So if I talk about an actor's appearance or what they look, you know, anything like that, what their effect is, um, on viewer, I mean, it's like always in service of like, how is this like telling the story that this film is intending to do? Um, and that's just like been ingrained in me in going to school. And that's just how I approach watching films. And, um, and then I also try to sort of like frame things like in, within a cultural context. So maybe there is an interesting sort of like, this is the fifth Transformers movie, or this is the fifth Pirates movie. And like this, why why are we doing this? And (laughs) (laughs) why am I here? What is happening? (laughs) Um, but, uh, or, but maybe there, I, you know, there's like a certain element of like, race, class, or gender that I want to highlight. And that's not something that I need to highlight in every single review, but I, I like to talk about sort of like, like frame it in a cultural context. Um, so those are, those are just what I'm thinking about when I'm writing the reviews, but I don't have any rules. Like don't say somebody's attractive. Um, I actually like, but I find that I was like going through a bunch of my stuff that I've written and I, I don't really talk about appearance that much. Um, I only, if it's like, if it's, how does this serve the story? Because, I just don't think that it's relevant otherwise. Because if a really good actor, like if a really good actor is in that role, then like it doesn't matter what they look like, right? Like they right. their performance will. I guess it depends on the movie the director's making. Right. Sometimes it's about their body, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I would think that like, I don't know. I like to think that any really good actor could, obviously people are cast for the way that they look, but you know, a really good actor, if you have several actors that are all sort of the same and then you, you like, it does, it wouldn't matter what they looked like. And you know, it's, it is interesting. Um, 
knowing that this topic was coming up, I was looking through some reviews that I had written and realized that, yeah, I mean, there are times when I'll see a movie and acknowledge that, and in my mind, just be like, oh, that person's very attractive. And it just, and it, when writing about it, first off, I don't think most of the time it doesn't occur to me. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm such a great guy, but it just like, it just doesn't seem relevant unless that's a big part of who that character is. Yeah. If they are known to be, you know, let's, uh, so we, we keep going back to Harry Potter, showgirls. And I think, and I think magic Mike is a good one too. I think magic Mike is a good one, especially XXL because which I didn't see. It's all female gaze. I actually think yeah. the first one is better, but um, it's because it, the second one is just there's no themes. Like I felt like there were some really interesting themes in the first one. The second one is like no themes, just like get these guys with their pants off. Um, <laughs> so it's like they're like that on sounds a, better to me. I found the first one really depressing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, because it's like about economics and like yeah. <laughs> the recession and yeah, it's like this. It's about people who promote this party atmosphere, but their lives seem so awful to me. Yeah. And they're all on drugs. And it just like that movie bumped me the fuck out. Yeah. And that's probably why I didn't see the second one. The second one is not like the first one at all, but it's very much like geared towards women, the female gaze and women's enjoyment of male bodies. Um, so why am I talking about this? Anyway, it's oh, a good sorry. example. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like what's what's odd is if I were, if I had to write a review of either uh, of the Magic Mike films, I feel like I would be obligated to say like, yeah, these guys are really good looking because that's a big part of of what the films are. You know, um, I reviewed Magic Mike and I mm-hmm. re- reread the review and I didn't talk about their appearance at all. Yeah. I talked about Channing Tatum's dancing, yeah, absolutely, and like how he is amazing at dancing. But yeah. I mean, and like, yeah, there's hot dudes in that. I'm a straight yeah. woman, like. I think they're attractive, but I wasn't like, oh my God, there's, you know, I love Joe Manganiello or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, as Joe a, Manganiello is a special breed. <laughs> <laughs> like I've got, I got to look up his nationality and find out <laughs> if I have a type, I guess. Um, I, with Manganiello, I'm pretty sure you can guess his nationality. <laughs> um, werewolves. If, <laughs> But again, in a movie like the Magic Mike franchise um, uh, saga, here's um, Oh, extended universe. Let's do it. <laughs> um, if they they turn uh, Matthew McConaughey into like uh, Nick Fury or something like that. <laughs> yes. um, uh, to add to something I said before, if you are, I think it's worth writing about how the camera regards sure. a body. Um, but that uh, brings me to I do have a rule, well, a strong guideline. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that I will, I will, even if it's a big deal, I will generally go out of my way to not mention if an actor or actress is nude in a movie, especially a name actor, but just in general. Um, because I feel like, well, Tyler, you and I have talked about our weird feelings about like on screen nudity and like where you draw the line between you're an actor pretending and then you're actually naked yeah. and it's a different thing. And so I feel like I'm so worried about someone reading my review and then going to see the movie for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but because and this is from years of working at a video store and some people coming yeah. in and saying, I want to rent this new movie out that's out because I hear so-and-so is naked yeah. in it. Oh God, uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, or there's an, I know we've thrown David Edelstein under the bus so much, but there's another critic whom I won't name, um, that I, um, refused to read for about 15 years now I've refused to read him maybe 13 years however uh, because the way he wrote about 
Meg Ryan and in the cut, uh, offended me so much. Just write his name um, down and then show it to us. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a theory. Uh, do you? I don't know. Um, anyway, oh, maybe it's I okay. You can tell me afterwards. Uh, oh, I'm going to write it down. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, yeah, like I've been in Q&As. I was at a Q&A one time where uh, the actress was uh, very naked in the movie. And then, of course, someone afterwards was like, what was it like to be naked in the movie? And she's like standing right there. And it's like she's obviously. But this wasn't compliance, was it? No, it was because um, then there was a lot of that caused a lot of buzz. Movie, okay. um, like something Molly. Hmm. It was at LA Film Fest. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I was just like, yeah. oh, that's creepy. Like you know, that's like she's yes, she was nude in this movie, but she was playing a character, and like the person standing in front of you is not that character. It's mm-hmm. this actress, and like I don't know. I, so I don't know what that has to. I guess there's a rule. You, you know, your rule, your personal rule is don't talk about. Yeah, and I, first rule: don't talk about. Naked. <laughs> don't talk but, about Naked Fight Club. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a movie I'd see actually. <laughs> but I wonder if that's if I'm. Uh, if, is that wrong of me to be? I guess censoring, potentially at least censoring myself because I'm afraid of how one small portion of the population will read it. Like your review's gonna go on Mr. Skin right away. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. They're just like, I, but I do like the idea of someone like reading your review for the wrong reasons, and then they're like, then they wind up coming away being like, he's got some interesting stuff to say about formalism. I yeah. gotta say, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I also think I, my brother recently told me a story that I had forgotten from when he was like 10 years old, and I was already a high school cinephile. And I and he was asking me about train spotting. I was watching train spotting, and I was trying to tell him he wouldn't like it. And I guess in telling him he wouldn't like it, I mentioned that someone was naked in it. And then he told me just at his bachelor party a couple of weeks ago, he was like, I didn't tell you this, but later that week when you were gone, I went to your room and I grabbed the movie and I watched it specifically <laughs> because you told me that someone, that a woman was naked. in it. And then he was like, I didn't expect yeah, that. Yeah. That's a lot of unpleasantness. <laughs> I I, boy, doesn't it, and doesn't it make you, and I don't, I, uh, I can only speak from the point of view of a, a straight American male that <laughs> the stuff that I put myself through in order to see nudity. Like, there's nudity in The Shining. Oh, <laughs> what horrible nudity. But, I, but hey, I'm 13 and I'll take what I can get. So, because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have really the internet at the time. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Times I, were hard when we were growing up, absolutely. guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I will say is, uh, I'm sorry to bring things back to VidAngel and back to Christianity, but I will say that, you know, discussion of nudity and discussion of discussion of nudity is a big thing. Um, especially the idea of, you know, uh, as you were saying, Katie, the idea, it's like, well, this is, you know, they are playing a character and that is the character got naked and they didn't. It's like, that's true, but that is their body. And that's yeah. not the argument I'm making. Right. Uh, but it is a hard argument to argue against in my case, which is like, yes, you're right. That is the actor's body, which is why I tend to take a somewhat hard line on nudity in that I do. I don't think it's there. Are a lot of people say it's never necessary. I don't think that I think nudity is necessary. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think at times it can be exploitative. And I feel yeah. like if an actor is willing to to put themselves out there, 
uh, I feel like a director needs to be respectful of that and be like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that unnecessarily. And I know that that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, certainly in uh, certain genres and that sort of thing. But I will say that, uh, David, what you were saying about your reviews, I wouldn't say it's wrong to, to leave stuff out for fear that someone will latch on to the wrong thing. But uh, I remember a friend of mine, a Christian filmmaker, uh, was writing a script that included, um, I believe it included a, a nude scene or a sex scene, and he was talking to his dad, and his dad said, well, there's no need for that uh, because it could cause, you know, in Christian terms, it could cause somebody to stumble. And so my friend was asking me, uh, and it was really neat that my friend was asking me, he's like, so as a critic, let me ask you this. And I was like, hey, neat. <laughs> um, uh, Low-level legitimacy, I'll take it. Uh, and he said, how on like how can I make a movie that like doesn't cause somebody to stumble? And I said, don't make a movie because <laughs> there's always the possibility, always. And so you can't control that. You can't control that. You know any more than any more than uh, David Fincher. I, I'm not a fan of Fight Club. Neither are you, David. But like David Fincher, for a long time, I got upset with Fight Club for the way people reacted to Fight Club, and uh, that's unfair of me. Like. David Fincher, I think there are there are ways to make a movie or ways to write a review to kind of get a, a, as far away from that as possible. But there's always – if I'm watching The Shining so that I can see nudity <laughs> at age 12 or 13, then someone is always going to get the wrong message from a review or from a movie. And if you're censoring – if you really feel the need to comment on nudity in a movie and then you leave it out because someone might latch on to that wrongly, I'd say at that point like – yeah, you should stick with your your instinct. Uh, just side note: the thing about reacting to a movie because of the way other people react to it. I'm really glad that I grew out of that because yeah. there are so many things that I would hate now. Oh. Yeah, like I don't know. I like I couldn't watch Goodfellas if if I had to yeah. think about every every dumb bro who loves Goodfellas. Yeah, I would hate the Big and, Lebowski. Uh, yeah, and I couldn't listen to any music or like Wolf of Wall Street. Right? Sure. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, because that movie is such a satire and then people are like, this is rad or American Psycho, like being aspirational. It's like, yeah. no, these movies are showing like how monstrous these people are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, like you cannot get into like because you can't control how people are going to react. I, I went out in my academic career. I was like trying to do a lot of audience research type stuff hmm. and it's impossible. <laughs> I will just say that. What, did you research? what were you researching? Well, I, I wrote about audience reaction to reality TV and like the bachelor and the way people interpret what the producers put into, um, the bachelor. So, um, so like, what are people getting at? Are they getting bad messages about sex and relationships or about gender or about whatever? And, um, audience research is really hard because you don't know, like in a clinic, like an academic study setting, like you, like, how do you do it? Do you like do surveys? Do you have them self-report? Like, what are they going to say? There's just a lot of like loopholes into doing, I mean, and a ton of studies have been done on audience research, like in the seventies, like how people react to TV news, but it's just, there's so many pitfalls. Feels like the number of controls you would need to apply are insane. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing some research on like how people tweet about The Bachelor because it's like a thing. But that can't you can't say like this is how this person interpreted it because a lot of people are it's humorous or you know, there's a lot of things to get through to get at the reaction. Hmm. But it is like a thing that you can count and look at and mm-hmm. you know, it's like a tangible reaction. 
Uh, I don't watch The Bachelor. Okay. <laughs> I, I do watch Survivor. I watch uh, Survivor. Yeah. D- uh, do you? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> How very exciting. Two academics, David, that, oh, uh, man, that watch am. Survivor. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the one getting getting shut out. This, do you know uh, Henry Jenkins? Sorry, side note. Do you, know who, he, J- do you uh, know who he is? He's no, this like, legendary fan studies professor, mm. um, and he's obsessed with Survivor. So it's, it's legitimacy. A, <laughs> it's a very odd, uh, it's a very odd fan base. Uh, yeah, and I, for, for about a year, I actually um, reviewed movies for Rob Sesternino and his uh, website. He's a... Uh, Rob from like not Boston Rob, but he's Rob from uh, season six, and he was a guest on this show as oh, well. Okay. And he's kind of he's he, according to some, he's like a Mount Rushmore player, um, and uh, and yeah, he's turned uh, he's turned the his his pod his uh, Survivor fame into like the premier Survivor. And Bachelor and Big Brother and Amazing Race podcast. I so think I, keep, I know this podcast, but I've never listened to it. It's called Rob Has a Podcast. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, and so the world of Survivor is fascinating. Like the people that's the people that stick with it over years is uh, including me. Like I'm, I don't know. There's there's a very different type of fan fandom with reality TV because you do feel yeah. like, oh, these people are kind of my friends. I feel like I kind of know them. Yeah. But of course you only know the edit of them. Right. Um, is there any, but what's interesting is there's, uh, with Survivor to get to this topic, you know, there's a lot oh, of, scant- God, there's a lot of scantily clad Nudity. people there. Um, Nudity on Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff Probst is kind of a bro. Um, who he doesn't often comment on nudity, but he is also an executive producer. And, uh, I'm not sure if I would say the camera lingers on, you know, scantily clad women. Right. Um, well, there was like this whole controversy, like many years ago where like they were like, Oh, if we take our tops off, can we have peanut butter? Which is like so sad. And like, they're like so skinny and emaciated and you're like, Ew, I don't, I can't No, Look at that. But there's a weird thing on survivor, which I think is like, there's this like sub theme of like bodily degradation that you're like watching over the course of the season where you're just like, Ew, what's that like thing on his face? It's like getting bigger, like some weird bug bite. That's like infected and you it's like there's that that's like the huh. subplot of survivor is like watching how oh yeah fucked up people look and sorry here, can we say can we swear yeah, yeah, yeah it's okay. fine. <laughs> have we not yet i don't know oh, surprises we me. might be behind our quota <laughs> um uh, well, I, I thought i had enough good reasons not to watch survivor you're, you're just giving me another one did you see the one and we talked about it on the show it was a couple seasons ago where uh a woman had a bug go in her ear yes. and it was just burrowing deeper and deeper. And finally it just <laughs> fell out. Yeah. But then like the next episode, <laughs> she went genuinely crazy and it's like, I'll bet that's a, it feels like those should go together that it burrowed into her brain and she went insane. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was, Oh, that was that so was difficult to watch. I know. All right. We can go back Moving to on, the topic. <laughs> okay. Back to the topic. I was going to mention this is a, a, just lurching back into the topic. Sure, um, it occurred to me. I mentioned we were what's on the website this week. I, I wrote that review of the Shout Factory or Scream Factory release of Black Christmas. I love that movie. Um, see, and I did go out of my way in the review to mention the lack of nudity in that movie mm-hmm. because I feel like when you hear oh, this is a slasher movie set in a sorority house. Yeah. Sure. Your mind goes to a certain, you're assuming it's a certain level of exploitation. And I was so uh, delighted to find that not only is it 
uh, not exploitative, the movie. It actually is it treats its all its characters as individual characters and is actually about some various women's issues of the mid 1970s uh with the abortion subplot and the idea of like a rejected man becoming a threat uh it's uh it's fantastic but anyway the only point i, I didn't mean to talk about black christmas but you said you loved it so i do I love that go. movie i actually uh, should rewatch it because it's been many years since i've seen it and uh i don't think i picked up on that um that like that it was pretty progressive. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know if it was. Uh, I, I guess I wasn't alive in 1974, so I don't know if progressive is the word. But Pro- like, progressive or like just, had interesting themes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's two years it. after Roe versus Wade, and the fact that one of the women wants to have an abortion, mm-hmm. and the, the 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 one who impregnated her is trying to tell her not only no, I don't want you to have an abortion. He's saying, no, you can't have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, that's my baby or whatever. That becomes a part of the plot. <laughs> I feel like if you haven't seen the movie, it's like, this is all in a slasher <laughs> movie. But yeah, it is. And that's kind of what's, what's so, what's so fascinating uh, to me. But anyway, I did, I did specifically mention um, that uh, all the women keep their clothes on while they get, while they get killed uh, in that movie. Cause that's so rare in a slasher movie. Right. But, uh, but at the same time, what's interesting is that was that was that a conscious choice because the slasher movie had not yet been fully established yet as we know it. as a, as we know it and we know yeah. it as like Halloween on yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, but there were slasher movies before that but yeah, yeah. but was new to any expectation in them uh, I don't know in 1974 if, if yeah you know, if it was and I don't know enough about like I of course I've seen the Texas Chain saw a massacre <laughs> um, but. Uh, it's two separate words, so that is a that is a stupid joke that we make. <laughs> oh. um, it's a, yeah, it's a running gag here on Battleship Pretension. So uh, that was funny. I don't think there's any nudity in that, is there? Uh, no, I don't think. Well, so. is there nudity in Halloween? Um, yeah, there is, okay. but not yeah, not Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I know that more because I've seen Scream so many times. Oh, that yeah, yeah, Randy yeah. specifically says that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is not nude in the movie. Uh, she's not nude until Trading Places. She didn't show her tits until she went legit. Is the line <laughs> that Randy uses in that movie? Now, David, I don't know if you know that this was or necessary, not. right, for me to bring this. Sure. <laughs> well, I yeah. don't know if you know this. You're speaking of Scream. Did you know that it has now been longer? Yeah, I know since uh, <laughs> the release of Scream uh, between Scream and, and Halloween. Did you know that, David? Uh, I think it's been um, longer since the release of Scream since I made that <laughs> reference at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Well, I was going to touch down a little bit on talking about actors' appearances and, like, the fact that I sort of think any actor, if they are good enough, can embody the character, which is my theory. But, I mean, you guys, I don't know what you think, but I was going to reference it to All Eyes on Me, which I saw yesterday, which is the Tupac biopic. And the guy that they cast is Tupac looks so much like him. It is disturbing. And he's, like, a total newcomer. He did an online audition and then I think his dad like had some connection and and so he's never been in anything before and he it's like fine. It's a it's and the movie's not very good, but um uh the he like at certain points like really channels Tupac and his like and you can tell he's been watching these videos over and over again and like getting the delivery down, but um it's almost just like an imitation rather than like a fully inhabited performance and so even though there were like these kind of exciting moments where i was like oh my god it's tupac um i feel like a better actor could have given a better performance okay. and been just as you know great as right. tupac but but your hypothesis there has some 
limits. Yeah, certainly, like, certainly I, does. I can't picture Steve Buscemi in Channing Tatum's role in Magic Mike. No, yo, for sure, for Ed sure. Steve Buscemi is a great actor. And, like, there's things like, you know, it's like people have star personas at this point in time, and they're not as important as they were in, like, classical Hollywood cinema, but, mm-hmm. I mean, Channing Tatum has a persona, and then he, like does funny things where he like pushes against his persona, like in this is the end or something. Mm -hmm. Um, that's right. But, uh, you know, I would, I I guess, yeah, no, it's, it's a sweeping generalization. (laughs) (laughs) My thesis that I've presented, but you know, I don't don't know. Maybe I've lost the train of thought. (laughs) Uh, are there actors because I, I, I will answer yes. I'm not just going to put you on the spotlight. Are there actors that you're more likely to want to see their movies because you are attracted to them personally? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah? I, I, like, I definitely have <laughs> uh, have my own. But um, So I guess that I guess that you would I don't, like don't want to say like It's <laughs> like I don't even think Channing Tatum is like so attractive like that I would like date him in my life. But like, um, no, I don't. But like, yeah, sure, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he's he's married to no, Jen, I Jenna Dewan. I know. Maybe Joe. I'm just saying. Joe are you trying Manginella. to break this marriage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Who would I see? I don't know. Oh, I do know. Um, Matthias Schoenarts. Oh, <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, yes, you do. He's Belgian. <laughs> um, he was in Rust and Bone. He was in Rust Didn't and Bone. It. He was in The Drop. Didn't see it. He was uh, in um, the he, remake of Far From the Madden Crowd. Oh, yeah. Didn't Hunky Farmer. It. You would dig the drop, by the way. That's a very <laughs> no, Tyler, I, I know. Tyler movie. I know. Um, gosh, yeah, I guess. him. I would I would see a movie for him. David, pull up a, a photo so I can <laughs> what do you think so I can rate how attractive <laughs> this man is. Hot or not. Uh, yeah, yes, that's what we want this. Huh. <sighs> There he is. <laughs> Interesting. My man. <laughs> uh, well, listeners know how I feel about Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. But the thing is, like, but they have to be, he would have, I, having not seen any of his films, I assume he is also a good actor. Like, you wouldn't see him. Oh, for if sure. He were, if he were solely eye candy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't, I don't, I'm too sophisticated for that. <laughs> yeah. um, He's also that generation of Scandinavian actor like Alexander Skarsgård and Joel Kinnaman who have zero accent or can have zero accent. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very like, strange. Yeah, like in, in The Drop, he's like just a yeah. New York guy. It's weird. I feel like they just grow up speaking English yeah. and they're so bilingual that, or yeah. multilingual. It's almost enough that I don't trust them. Okay, you know? so you'd see Rachel Weiss movie just because you love her so much? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I can't think of it. I, I mean, when it comes to like actors that will t- bring me into a movie, like you know Robert Duvall, but not for attractive <laughs> reasons. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you need to spend some time examining this. <laughs> you know what? Hang on. Now that I think about it, uh, it's, he is pretty. He is shirtless in Apocalypse Now, um, and he does just uh, radiate magnetism. Glistens. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, when I think of like you know actresses that I that I find attractive. Um, you know, the first one is, cli- I know it's super cliche, so I apologize. Uh, I do think Scarlett Johansson is very attractive, yeah. but I also think she's an incredibly interesting actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when people talk about, like, Megan Fox as being super uh, attractive, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, okay, she, to me, she seems generically attractive, but it's probably because if she were to do something unique with the roles that she gets, then I think 
it would be enough to get my attention that I might even quite literally see her differently. Whereas Mm -hmm. Scarlett Johansson makes such odd and interesting choices in the roles that she picks and then what she does with them that I think it gets me to see her in a different way. If she were a worse actress, I think I, I think I would be able to say, yeah, she's attractive. Okay. Moving on. Right. Um, but I think, I think it is more than that. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that I, that I'm some deep guy, (laughs) but I do think that from a, I do think that the, the film critic uh, instinct has kicked in yeah. and looks isn't en- isn't enough for me to oh, get me sure. to see a movie. For sure. I, I, I got to start going back to school, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I got to level up to Tyler's level here. <laughs> the thing that gets me, uh, because I know people that, um, or rather I know of people that have majored in like pornographic studies, mm-hmm. that I because the whole nature of those movies is to titillate, is to arouse. And so I, I, in the same way that I often wonder about like editors of porn, where it's like, yes, okay, I guess you probably do get desensitized to it, but that also sounds kind of weird. Um, but just... Remember, we went to film school with a guy who was like a porn aficionado. Yeah, yes, I and do would, remember that. like, he loved movie movies too, and just in a conversation he would transition from talking about one director of a movie that you might have seen yeah. to a director of, to a director of a porn, of porn oh movies. And there was no like wall yeah. for him in between yeah. them, it which is all... vaguely admirable if it were a different person, but that is so he was strange. a nice guy, right? You knew him better than I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, okay. unfortunately. Oh, okay. So he wasn't, a nice but, uh, he wasn't a bad guy, but he had an odd, I think it had removed whatever filter a human has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that from sounds, his mouth. that sounds about right. Cause he just said, Whatever came into his head, <laughs> uh, because I believe. Okay, so I will tell a story. I've told it before. I was wondering if you were going to tell it. Yeah, we yeah, have to give it a, a little. Yeah, uh, there's some a, rough a language. Warning. Yeah, there's some rough language in this uh, story. Not merely rough language, but like triggering words. So I apologize. Okay. Um, so uh, he was in a. This <laughs> is delightful. Uh, he was in a directing class with me and our and our uh, professor, uh, whose name was Chap, and he was a super great guy, and he was gay, but he often talked about his ex-wife. Um, and maybe he didn't say ex-wife. He might've actually just said wife. Um, but he also talked about boyfriend. And so one day we're walking away. I oh, yeah, we be, should set up I gotta this be careful guy. not to say his name, but, um, right. But we should set up this guy is like Chicago to the core. He has a thick Chicago accent, but is also like five, three <laughs> with like this mop top haircut with sideburns. Oh my God. And so he was just a, a delightful person. So you're walking away from class. So we're walking away from from class, and it's the first time that Chap has mentioned his wife. He said boyfriend before, but he hasn't mentioned his wife. So we're walking along, and this guy, he's he's his his eyebrow like his brows are furrowed, and he's just like, so like is Chap a fucking faggot or what? <laughs> and so, so I apologize everybody for saying that. And so, uh, so me and then uh, Billy Salazar, uh, yeah, we're both. That's like, not this guy, Billy. Right, was a nice Bill, guy. Billy yeah. was. Uh, we were. The, we were the, uh, the the hearers here. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so both of us. Uh, let's say that this guy's name is is uh, Henry. It is not. But let's say his name is Henry. And we're both like Henry. Man, what are you doing? First off, we're on a city street, and we're not that far from class. Uh, and it was just ridiculous. So I feel like somebody who is who who would I, say that would also yeah. just casually bring up porn directors. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I do often wonder, like, 
for people that just uh, that study like academically study porn, like is there does the academic aspect of them does it put up a block that keeps these films from being as effective as they are meant to be the way right. movies are meant to be emotionally or intellectually effective. These are meant to be effective in a physical way. Yeah. Uh, well, but so, movies do affect you in a physical way. Sure, like there's sure. a lot of studies about, uh, or maybe I was like reading something sometime that was like talking about how there's, I mean, I guess maybe like theater or something like that could do it, but like that wants to elicit these like physical right. emotions from you, like fluids come out of your body, like tears, yeah. crying, laughing, sexual arousal, like emotional, you know, it's like, it's a very physically reactive type of thing. So maybe we shouldn't, you know, judge Edelstein for like talking about what he finds arousing, but I just don't think that in the service of what the task at hand is, is necessarily relevant. You know, uh, Chuck Wilson, when he was uh, when he was here a few weeks ago, he said something that I actually incorporated into the paper that I'm writing right now um, that I thought was so interesting in which he said that critics, part of our job is to help people learn how to talk about movies. Mm-hmm. And that's not a thing we do. And it's not merely what we say, but it is how we say it. And so one thing he was talking about is, you know, uh, the way critics talked about Moonlight. We spoke very hyperbolic. When I say we, I mean like the critical community in general. We spoke so hyperbolically of it. The way that we talked about it was so over the top that our tone did not match the tone of the film. Like anybody reading these reviews might go in and expect this big, uh, uh, a big movie and a mm-hmm. big life changing experience when in yeah. fact it's this very understated film. Yeah. And so it's just, so he was talking about like in your review, even in, an incredibly positive one trying to match the tone of the film so that people reading your review will know what to expect, not merely as far as what the film is about, but how. And so along those lines, I would say that, uh, in, in the reviews that we, that we write, I feel like we just need to take our cues as much as we can from the films themselves, especially if it's a film we like, which I guess Edelstein did not. But, um, I feel like that's a responsibility that we have. Like, if we're going to try to convey what the film is to the reader, then we need to do that in more than just say, here's what it's about. Um, and so I think in using the film itself as a guide to how we talk about a movie, I think is probably a good, granted a broad rule of thumb, but probably I think a good one, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember just like, I remember one of the quotes on the first Moonlight trailer was like, you will leave the theater a changed person. And I was like, that's a little much. Yeah. Um, But I also uh, think that there is no room in the online economy for like nuanced discussion of films. That's what my paper's about. Okay. Well, (laughs) we're on the same page, but you know, it's like, it's either the best thing you've ever seen, every single superlative, blah, 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 or it is the worst thing of all time. And I mean, I have been trying more in my writing to be a little bit more nuanced. And I don't think that that necessarily means that my pieces are like going viral because I'm like, this is good. This is bad. Let's talk about what this means. But, um, it's not best movie ever. It will change your life. It will, you know, you know, whatever the, all the hyperbole is. But, um, yeah, I just don't think there's any room for that right now. 
That's why we have this podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Way to put a button on it, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had more the, stuff to say. We, got, we right. got to wrap up. Okay. Um, thank you so much for, for being here. Yeah, thank you um, for having me. Uh, you at home, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. That's where you can find all of our movie reviews and all sorts of other other stuff. Uh, you can email uh, us at david at battleshipretention.com. That's who you email if you have questions for Ask BP, our video mailbag segment. Uh, or you can email Tyler at tyler at battleshipretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveyPretension. Follow Tyler at TylerPretension. Um, Tyler, what's going on in your other podcast? Sadly, nothing this oh. week. I uh, I just recorded like a little thing that what we do here which is like hey here's stuff you can find on the website be sure to visit our sponsor okay sorry there's an episode next week it's essentially that uh and like i said there's a battleship pretension instagram katie where can people find you on the internet um i'm on twitter at katie walsh stx uh stx is st croix the airport yeah um and uh i post all my reviews and stuff there because they're all over the place or i'm on like rotten tomatoes you can search me on rotten tomatoes find my stuff there too Thank you so much for being here. Thank Again, you for this, having me. Uh, was a blast. Um, thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 